I want to have some fun at the beginning here, and um, I just want to read some lines from Christmas songs and see if you can guess what Christmas song it is. Can we do this? And I know we have kids in here, right? First through sixth grade, approximately. Raise your hands if you're first through sixth grade. We are glad you're with us today. This is family day for us, and so we know you're here, and we know that, that you might be struggling with squirming a little bit, but that you can do it, and so we're going to be singing a lot and worshiping a lot and studying a lot. But you kids, you get to join in with this, okay? Because you're part of the church family here at Village, and we want you to know that. So I love services like this. So some of these are, are old traditional Christmas songs. Some of them are new and, and um, ones that we've done more recently. And I'm just pulling out lines, so I'm not going to do the first few lines because then everybody wins, right? Okay. God with man is now residing. Yonder shines the infant light. Anyone know what song that is? Not quite the title. I think that is some of the words. Well, okay, started with a really good one. <laughs> Angels from the realms of glory. Okay, good, good, good. Okay, how about this? Hail the heaven-born Prince of Peace. Hail the Son of Righteousness. Light and life to all He brings. Risen with healing in His wings. Hark the hero. Okay, that one was a little easier. Okay, um, how about, O come thou dayspring, come and cheer our spirits by thine advent here. Yes, let me finish. <laughs> oh, drive away the shades of night and pierce the clouds and bring us light. Oh, come, O come, Emmanuel. This one might be a little harder. Those born in darkness have seen a great light. The Redeemer of our hearts has been born this night. Christ has come. Someone said that. No one is competitive in this congregation. <laughs> I'd be out there yelling too, but I have the answers. Um, I still want to answer first. Um, Yet in thy dark street shineth the everlasting light. <laughs> o little town of Bethlehem, it goes on to say the hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. Um, two more. Silent night, holy night. Well, that one's easy. <laughs> son, son of God loves pure light. They looked up and saw a star shining in the east beyond them far. And to the earth it gave great light and it continued both day and night. The first Noel. Very good. Did you catch what was in every one of those songs? Light. That was just seven Christmas carols. You probably didn't even know we had that many. Seven Christmas carols. The, the concept of light keeps coming up. And there were some that I didn't use because I'm like, oh, we've never sung that one. Um, why the concept of light with Christmas? Why does it keep... Just think about that for a minute. Why do we take lights and put up lights at Christmas? We don't just put up darkness at Christmas. That'd be a little weird. Driving down the neighborhood, I've never stopped in front of the house with nothing on and said, what Christmas cheer? Because there's something about light that signifies that we are celebrating the light, that we're celebrating Christ. This morning as we worship and as we, we talk through God's Word, we want to take this concept of light and see how it applies to the Christmas story, to the birth of Christ. Now, the concept of light is all through Scripture, and I would love to take the next three hours and just sort of trace that through Scripture. A couple of you would stay. Um, we, we talked about we could break right before living nativity, and we'd be good. But we're just going to take a snapshot today. A snapshot of the birth of Christ. 
and look at Isaiah, which we've been studying and, and which is just all the more meaningful this Christmas because we've been studying it and say, what does light mean? And if you think about light, what are some of the attributes of light? And you can interact a little bit. What are some of the attributes of light that are helpful? You can see, okay? This is the most basic one, right? You can see where you're going. You don't trip and fall. What are, what are some other things light might do? Help plants grow, thanks. It can direct you. It's hard to have direction without light. Reveals truth. Very interesting. It's true. It reveals you know, it's, it's, we, we talk about that a lot with the Living Nativity set. There are all kinds of flaws and things that aren't real in that set. And so we turn down the lights. <laughs> and you don't see any of them. It's true of life, right? Without light, we hide our flaws and we hide our sin and we're okay with it. But light reveals, confronts, but then if we come to Christ, cleanses. All kinds of things about light. Turn with me to Isaiah 9, chapter 2. We're going to jump around a lot, but I want to anchor us first in this first verse in Isaiah 9-2, a familiar verse, one we've already studied in our study of Isaiah, but one that is so integral in understanding the concept of light in Christmas. One of the, the themes throughout all of the book of Isaiah is this idea of light and shining and that Jesus is coming, the Messiah is coming. But in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2 We read, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. goes on a few verses later to say, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. But in that verse 2, we see a contrast between a great light and a deep darkness. And those adjectives are used because Isaiah and God through Isaiah is stressing how great the divide is, how different they are. The people who have walked in darkness have seen a great light, a magnificent light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shone. You remember from our study of Isaiah, this is written in the first half of Isaiah. So this is before the Babylonian exile. And this is a time where the northern kingdom has already gone into exile. And and the southern kingdom is really struggling with whether they obey God or not. Whether they believe in God. And this is coming right after some, some statements of judgment, some prophecies of judgment. Where Isaiah says, if you're not walking with God, you're gone. And and their nation is falling apart, and oppression is coming, and Assyria is coming. Life is not good. And so when it says, those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, they understood what that meant. That meant oppression. That meant sin run rampant. That meant the loss of their culture, their land. That meant deep darkness. But this verse serves to say, it's bad now, but a light's coming. You see no hope now, but hope is coming. You see no salvation now, but salvation is coming. And this is 700 years before Christ. But God in His great love and His great mercy is giving them hope. See, throughout the Old Testament and 
sort of the, the whole Old Testament in a sentence. Light and darkness were used as symbols. They were used as symbols of the realm of righteousness and holiness and God and His purity and the realm of darkness and Satan and sin and all the results that are there. And there is always a contrast. There is always a chasm between the two. And so this is for kids, this is the, the contrast of good and evil. And good being light and darkness being evil. That God can take care of evil because God is light. A little bit later in Isaiah, in Isaiah 49.6, and, and this is a verse about the servant that's coming and Jesus that's coming. It says, Is it too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to bring back the preserved of Israel? I will make you as a light for the nations. And he's speaking of the servant there. You'll be a light, not just to one or two people, to the nations. Because they will hear salvation. It says that my salvation may reach the ends of the earth. A couple chapters earlier in Isaiah 42, 6 and 7, he's talking about his people also being the light. He says, I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. I will take you by the hand and keep you. I will give you as a covenant for the people, a light for the nations. Catch this verse, the light. To open the eyes that are blind, to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon, from the prison, those who sit in darkness. And light is used as a symbol of freedom there. Freedom from sin, from the dungeon of sin, from the slavery of sin. Darkness and sin always imprisons, doesn't it? We can, we can choose to sin. We can choose to walk away from God. And the more that we do that, the more it captures us and wraps its tentacles around us and holds us there. And that sin that looks so appealing and looks so fun is a prison of our own making. But light, the light that came, destroys that and says destroys that prison and gives freedom opens the eyes that are blind brings out the prisoners from the dungeon see darkness if if i had to define it now it's all those that are trapped without jesus all those that are trapped without jesus and so to think of our, our title today light broke through this is huge because darkness is where we'd be without christmas We'd still be there. We'd still be in that dungeon of sin. We'd still be trapped in the habits and the things that we do that we know aren't right. We'd still also be in the wages of sin part of life. The wages of sin is death. Because without Christmas and without the light breaking through, there is no gift of God that brings salvation. That darkness of sin has touched every part of our life. Leaves us dead in our sins, incapable of doing anything truly good or holy. It leaves us separated from the relationship of God. It's touched our thoughts. It's touched our relationships with people and how we interact. It's touched our ability to give glory to God and be in relationship with Him. It's touched our future with God and put that into question unless we follow Him. And I don't mean to get all depressing on Christmas celebration service. But until we understand the depth of the darkness, we don't understand the the magnificence of the light. See, dark is really dark. It's really dark. And we play with that term. Oh, that movie's a little darker than the last one. But in Scripture, dark is dark. And it's hopeless. But God does not leave us there. He loves us and does not leave us there. And so He gives us hope which is the light 
while darkness is the lack of hope and despair. I praise God for that. You, you think of even that in, in terms of real darkness and light. We had some, some relatives that lived in Alaska, and they tell us what life in Alaska was like. And, you know, the, the TV shows make it look all great. Alaskan bush people and whatever else, you, gold or whatever is in Alaska. And it's beautiful up there. But Susie's aunt said it's also one of the states that struggles with depression more than any other, specifically during the winter months where there's no light. And the sun doesn't come up. And alcoholism rises, suicide rises. And now they have little light lamps you can bring into your house and sit under UV rays and it cheers you up. But what an example of light bringing hope and darkness bringing despair. We know that in real life. The same is true spiritually. So we want to jump ahead now 700 years. Jump to the Christmas story. And I just want to trace some aspects of light through the Christmas story. We'll start in Luke 1, and we'll jump back and forth between Luke and Matthew and John. But in Luke chapter 1, the scene is Zechariah. So this is before the birth of Christ. And Zechariah knows that John the Baptist, has come, or, or Jesus has just come to him and said, you're going to have a son, John the Baptist. He doesn't believe because we're old, he says. And I actually don't think he believed that Jesus was finally going to save either because it had been too long. It had been in the darkness too long and wasn't sure that the light was coming and God was able. But then we see that Zechariah, God made Zechariah mute. John was born. He said his name will be John and his mouth opened up. And the first thing he said wasn't let's go to in and out The first thing he did was praise God. And he prophesied for God. And at the end of that prophecy in Luke 1, 78 and 79, it says, because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. And Zechariah here is quoting Isaiah and he comes back to light and sunrise. And he says salvation is here. That light that was prophesied so long ago, it's here. And it brings light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death. See, light represents life. Darkness represents death. We have a manger up here, and I'm going to bring put put some light in the manger just to help us um, picture this. But when we think of Jesus coming, it wasn't just to be a baby. It wasn't just to, to experience life as a human being. It was to bring life. And one of the ways that happens is through light. He is the light. And so we see, but the sunrise shall visit us from on high. He'll bring light in the darkness. And so this imagery of light is right there. We move ahead and we know that Mary and Joseph came to Bethlehem. And this was God's plan to bring light to a dark and hopeless world. And Jesus is born. And and after He's born, the shepherds are in the field. And is it any wonder that God chose brightness on a field of dark sky to announce the birth of His Son? Have you thought about that? Think about the symbolism of what's going on there. In Luke 2, an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear. And God chose brightness and light to announce the birth of light. What a wonderful picture. We move ahead. A few days later, 
Mary and Joseph take Jesus into the temple and this is what, what Phil and Janine talked about this morning. And they see Simeon there and Simeon sees them and he comes up to them in Luke chapter 2. And he says, For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of the peoples, a light for, the revelation, to, for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And so Simeon also quotes Isaiah and says, This son, this baby is light. And this is where one of you said light illuminates truth. And, and, and that's what he's saying here is that light brings a revelation to the Gentiles. It's something new. It helps them see truth. Salvation is here. And Simeon was excited. He was like, wow. You know, think about when you're searching for something in the house. You know, we, we often are searching for things under the bed, whether it's small children or small pets or toys. You use a flashlight, right? It's not like, let's turn out all the lights and look under the bed. Not unless you're really wanting to scare a small child. (laughs) We use a flashlight because it illuminates and helps us find what's going on. See, life doesn't make sense without that light. It doesn't make sense to search and to find truth without light. And in the same way today, we have a a whole lot of people trying to find truth without Christ. And in fact, trying to deny the truth of Christ and we have whole education systems and whole worldviews that are set up with the absence of God. The absence of light can lead to nothing good. And it will always lead to darkness and despair. Simeon says, Jesus is a light of revelation. A light that will reveal God's truth. And so that adds a little bit of our understanding of light. If I can find where to add it. There we go. Just a little brighter. And I hope we see the symbolism of light. A little later, we move to the Magi. And whether it's a a couple months later or two years later, we don't know. A little later. How did God reveal Himself to the Magi? A star. A light against a dark background. See the symbolism again. And they got it. They, that light represented some new king or no, some new truth. In fact, Matthew 2.10 says, When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. They rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And that's where some of you said, well, light sort of directs our way. And, and what did the light do for the wise men? It directed their way. They, they don't find the Messiah without the star. And against a dark sky, which represented a dark world, this light, this star led them to the true light. See, light leads. It, it allows us to see where we are going and not stumble. It gives us guidance. And I, you know that, right? Walking around your house at night. And, and Happy and I have both talked about young children and, and the amazing landmines of Legos. Those hurt like nothing else when you step on them in the middle of the night. Well, now it's Christmas time. And, and I, I walk through our house at night a lot. I'm up a lot at night in the dark. I don't want to turn on any lights. It's Christmas time, and they've rearranged the furniture. And they've put boxes. And I think my kids put boxes in the pathway on purpose. One of the mornings, one of them said, I heard you fall over something, Dad. <laughs> Thanks. No light, you stumble, you fall. The same is true of our lives, guys. 
if we try to live without the light of God, we're just going to stumble around looking for hope, looking for purpose, doing things, making choices we shouldn't make because we're desperate. We're desperate for direction. John in John 12 said, Jesus said to them, the light is among you for a little while longer, referring to himself. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. The one who walks in darkness does not know where he is going. Makes sense. Try driving home tonight after living nativity without your headlights on. Don't, don't. Because we know what will happen. But yet we get up in the morning and we're willing to go through a day or a week or a month without praying and asking for guidance. And we're willing to get up and never look at the Word and never look to the light and appreciate what God has done and say, I want to live because of Him. And we're driving around at night without our headlights on, in the rain, hoping for the best. Those other things don't help. John chapter 1, we also see that the Messiah's arrival is described. And John doesn't describe the whole birth narrative, but he just brings Jesus onto the scene and brings him onto the scene in more a theological way and introduces them as the Word and the light. It's everywhere, guys. As I was studying, I'm like, I, I never realized just how pervasive this theme is. In John 1, verses 4 and 5, right after, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, he said, In Him was life, and life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And so John describes the Messiah, Messiah's arrival as light. A little bit later, Jesus says, I have come into the world as light so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. And again, get the symbolism, a dark world that is, is tainted and, and sin has wreaked havoc on it. That God comes as light to change all of that. To change that. I love the phrase in verse 5 there, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Has not overcome it. That gives hope. That gives hope. Sometimes we go through our days and and there's so many struggles that we're like, I don't even know if I can get through it. Those struggles will never overcome the light, guys. Never. Those struggles will never become something that God can't handle. Think about light for a minute. Think about the properties of light. We never go back and turn on the dark switch because dark never puts out light. Light puts out darkness, right? Because light sends out waves and the, and the light waves and those light waves light up whatever's in its path. But we don't have such a thing as dark waves. Light overcomes. And he's using something that scientifically we know to illustrate how powerful and great God is. Amen? He came as light to overcome, to break through, and to just destroy the power of darkness. And that that happened at his birth and it happened throughout his life and then culminated on the cross when sin was paid for and Satan thought he had won and three days later was destroyed because light broke through and victory was, was accomplished and sin was defeated. That is light. He who is in us is greater than he who is in the world. Always. And that gives reassurance. 
beautiful hope, beautiful reassurance. And so today we celebrate that light burst through. That light broke through. Because it broke the power of sin. And this Christmas, as you see the lights, as you see all of the trappings, I want you to remember that. Remember that. Matthew 4, 16, at the very beginning of Jesus' ministry. So we fast forward. He's, he's grown up 30 or so years later. It says, The people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. He's quoting Isaiah 9, 2. Have seen a great light. And for those dwelling in the region and shadow of death, because darkness represents death, on them a light has dawned. So to summarize, to, to, to just take this all in, to summarize it, and a little bit later in the service we'll talk about how we apply it, but, but to summarize this, I, I go to Jesus' words in John chapter 8, verse 12, and Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. As a baby, He was the light. And we see that imagery, and that was in the prophecy As an adult, as a Savior, He is the light of the world. Whoever follows Me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Oh, that's a simple statement. Whoever follows Me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. But that's where we have to go when we talk about light. Jesus came as the light to give us light. To break through the darkness in our lives, the sin that entangles us, and to bring us into the kingdom of light. In Living Nativity, you've heard us talk about this as the greatest rescue mission, and it is. And He rescues us from the domain of darkness and makes us children of the light. See, that's what this Christmas is about. You can sit here and say, oh, the light is wonderful. I love all the Christmas lights. The light in the manger was really cool. Jesus is the light. That's not where He wants you to stop. He wants you to say, I believe in you. I give you my life. And then the light is given to you. In the person of Jesus Christ, in the forgiveness of Jesus Christ, in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. The light of Christ's birth isn't just about a birth. It's about salvation for you and for me. See, that light breaks through the bondage of sin and gives forgiveness. That light breaks through what we deserve in our future, the wages of sin is death, and it brings eternity with Jesus. That light breaks through despair of any circumstance you could be facing tomorrow or today. It breaks through that despair and gives hope. That light breaks through the choices we make that are bad. It breaks through where we stumble and find our own way and gives us direction and real purpose. It breaks through the sins that have us in bondage that we just can't seem to kick, that happen over and over. And it breaks through to give victory, to give hope, to give light. Light broke through to be with us. Emmanuel, God with us. Eventually, in Revelation 21, we're going to be dwelling with God in His glorious light forever. We won't need a sun or a moon, it says, because God Himself is light and will be our light. Just an overview of how light and the symbolism of light is used at Christmas. But how do you respond to Jesus' words, I am the light. Whoever follows me will be in the light. Whoever doesn't 
will still walk in darkness. Tonight's or today's the day to change that. And the revealing nature of light is it demands a decision, demands a response of some sort. And I think the way that we think about that and can think about that is ask ourselves the question, what's important to us at Christmas? And that tells us really what we've done with the light. What are we spending our time on? What are we doing? What's important to us at Christmas? So the, the rage this year, the, the toy this year, it's the, the hatchlings, right? Or the hatch. Way too many people knew what I was talking about. My, my kids didn't ask for these. A hatchimals hatchimal, or something like that? Hatchables? Okay. And apparently it's this egg that you get, and if you pet it right and treat it right, it eventually hatches into this little animal. And then you grow this animal through three stages. It's a stuffed animal. I shouldn't have said that with the kids in here, huh? I am so sorry. It's a great toy. (laughs) Pastor Ron ruins Christmas. One of the comments I I read, someone just hated the toy because the battery was dead and they couldn't get it to hatch. And it's like, oh. People are spending thousands of dollars on this toy. People are buying them from Europe, anywhere in the world. One comment was, I found it in, in, in England or something like that. And it's truly global shopping. And that's what's important to them. So what's important to us? Because if, if Christ is the light, and if the light has come, and if He came to radically break through our dark world and radically change our lives, doesn't that require a radical change in our lives? To be children of the light rather than children of the dark? A couple of verses I want to read to you that sort of give us two ways that light wants to change our lives. First is Ephesians 5, 8-13. For at one time you were darkness. Now you are light in the Lord. So we get that comparison again, darkness and light. Walk as children of the light. It's pretty straightforward. Walk as children of the light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. You can see all those elements of light coming out in this, right? Revealing and how to walk and direction. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. And the first thing we see in that verse is we need to make living in the light our, our deepest desire. It needs to be what's important to us. Living in the light, living for God, living as a Christian, isn't just something that's secondary. It isn't just something that, oh, on Sunday I worshiped God and, and I did my due. Living in the light is every day, every moment. And it's got to be our deepest desire. Paul says in Ephesians, the, the question to, to see, are you living in the light to ask, is am I pleasing God? Am I pleasing God? That's pretty simple. It's so what I'm doing pleasing God. Is spending 3000 on this Hatchimals pleasing? No. <laughs> That's a silly example. But think about all the things that get in the way of pleasing God at Christmas and that we forget about even asking the question. Second verse I want to share as a response to the light is, is Jesus' own words in Matthew 5. You are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. If you've accepted Christ, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, 
but on a stand, and it gives light to all the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. See, the second thing we see in that verse is we're to make God's light, being God's light, our passion. Make being God's light our passion. In a dark world, a little light goes a long way. In dark Bethlehem or, or Bethlehem or whatever it is out there, one lamp can take a whole corner and brighten it up. Guys, we need to be believers that aren't so much lamenting about how dark this world is, is being, but just shining brighter and say how light Jesus is. That's our hope. Yes, the world's dark. Jesus told us it would be. That's the promise. What an opportunity to show who He is even more. So we can celebrate at Christmas and we can celebrate the light because it has changed our lives. And we should live in light of that. So how are you going to do this this Christmas? How are you going to do it? A couple of suggestions. Guard your desires. Guard your desires in the next week. Next week we celebrate Christmas. This might be desires for stuff. Kids, guard your desires for for the latest toy, the thing that you want. Don't let that control you. For adults, maybe it's our desires for how family should be, how Christmas should look, what traditions we should do. And oh, heaven help us if anything gets in the way of our, our hopes and our desires. And that maybe this year extended family will get along. Maybe this year we won't talk about politics. <laughs> Maybe this year I won't talk about politics and I'll be a light. Guard your desires. Helps you be a light. To live in the light and to be a light. Second thing, guard your schedule. Busyness is darkness. And... and this one steps on my toes because Susie and I have gone through our schedule and we're like, we cannot do anything more. How can we carve out any time? And we're trying to carve out time for the light. We had to carve out time to invite a neighbor to living nativity because we were busy every night, but it was worth it. Carve out time. Guard your schedule. Make room for what's important. And finally, this is just a practical suggestion. I like giving some homework and those that have met with me know that. Do something this week that shows that God loves someone else other than you. Do something completely other for someone else that shows that God loves them. It could be anything. It could be a note. It could be candy. It could be a gift. It could be a a phone call or a text. Do something completely outside of yourself for someone else. Because what you're doing is you're intentionally saying, I'm going to put my light on a lampstand and point it to someone else instead of inward. Just a few ideas for how we can respond to a light that broke through darkness, a light we don't deserve, a light that is incredible, but now He makes us children of the light. Let me pray. Lord God, we thank You for what You've given us. Lord, we thank You for a light that is not far off, but has come to dwell with us and in us now. A light that gives hope no matter what this world throws at us, no matter what sin throws at us. We praise you and thank you, God, for what you've done. We remember, and by taking this this morning, we commit to being children of the light and to being light to those around us. Lord, because you have 
bought our lives with the price of your blood. A price we could never repay except to worship and honor you. Thank you, Lord, for the light that broke through. In Jesus' name.